Welcome to Living a Full Life Podcast. Join us as we explore health topics that encourage raising healthy children, living a healthy life, and living the best life possible. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another episode of Living a Full Life. I am Dr. Enrico Dolcecori, and we are going to dive right in to insulin resistance. It's a, it's a silent epidemic that's been happening. It's different than diabetes. It's a term you may have heard thrown around, but what we're going to go through today is what exactly is it and how does it affect you? Buckle up, because we're about to get to the root of the matter to equip you with what you need to know to keep your blood sugar in check and health on track. Insulin resistance is like a traffic jam in your body's sugar highway. So we end up eating some carbohydrates and your pancreas produces some insulin. It's a hormone that helps you your cells absorb glucose and sugar from your bloodstream for energy. So as soon as that starts to digest, our pancreas release, releases insulin. But when resistance develops over time, your cells become stubborn and stop responding effectively to insulin's calls. This leads to a buildup of sugar in your bloodstream, which can have serious consequences over time and increase your risks of, of course, of, of course, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and other chronic conditions because sugar in our blood is inflammatory. So that's what resistance is. Your cells become so resistant to the hormone insulin that they don't respond in time to absorb glucose and transport it the way it should. I hope that makes sense because this is going to be the foundation of this entire podcast. So what ends up happening over time? It's called the silent killer because over time, it just gives us symptoms that we feel like we can live with. We end up getting excessively fatigued. Our energy starts to slow down. Um, unexplained weight gain or difficulty losing weight is the big thing. This is where people start to get frustrated. That is insulin resistance. This is where you start to try and eat well. You start off something simple or start going for walks or start doing some exercise and you bring down your calories and you try and eat well, whole foods, salads, all the good stuff, and you avoid all the bad stuff. But you start having difficulty losing weight. This can happen as young as your 20s. Typically, it's later, 40s, because it takes years to develop insulin resistance. So we get increased thirst and urination. This is now progressed insulin resistance. Blurred vision, skin tags around the neck and armpits. This is where we start to see insulin issues. By that point, we may be pre-diabetic, okay? So those are just visual signs without using medical tests like blood work. This is just simple signs that happen over time, and it starts with lethargy, tiredness, fatigue. So food matters to the utmost when it comes to insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is a funny way of saying metabolic disorder. That is the basis of metabolic disorder. We blame our metabolisms uh, on whether we can burn fat or not. But really what it is is we've damaged the receptors over time. This happens. People ask, you know, what happened? It starts in childhood with the diets. This is why we're so vocal about child development, child health, parenting, because it's us that helps the next generation grow healthy and well, mentally, spiritually, physically, chemically, emotionally, financially. These are our jobs to pass on to our children and the next generation. So we're very vocal about this because the modern American diet does not help with insulin resistance at a very, very young age. 
breast milk is used for the first few months to year of life. Some moms go for two, three years with it. But at about the one-year mark is where we start to introduce foods. These foods are supposed to be whole foods. They're going to have the least amount of reaction allergically. So let's the vegetables, avocado, a banana. We start, we start with some foods to see what the tolerances are. But some of us start our kids younger, three, four, five months, we start giving them solids, foods. And they're typically Cheerios or whatever the psychopathic pediatricians tell families to do. And these, this is where this problem starts. We're starting with simple carbohydrates with sugar at a very young age, at a very young age. So, but that's not the biggest problem. What happens is when we start packing our children lunches for school, we just pack them with carbohydrates, uh, fruits, crackers, a, a sweet treat, something in there. And then the protein is low and the good fats are low. And over time, by the time these children are 10, 12, 15 years old, the insulin resistance starts and we get childhood obesity uh, or other effects, lethargic children. The bedwetting goes for too long. The, the the difficulty waking up in the morning starts young. The lethargy after school, they're tired. They're falling asleep You know, at 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're getting tired and they're, they're in seventh grade. And they're just fatigued all the time. These are tall tale signs of insulin resistance. But the point of this is to avoid that. And how we do it is through our food. We have to limit, limit these things that come through the American diet of refined carbohydrates. Limit white breads, limit pastries, lit, avoid sugary drinks, not limit them. I don't, you know, they say, you know, one cigarette won't kill you. One cigarette will kill a lot of your cells. It will kill you. It will kill some of your cells. Will you survive that trauma? Probably. You'll probably survive smoking one cigarette or one cigar. You'll probably survive having one soda pop. But the damage that's being done isn't worth is I guess that's your choice if it's worth it or not. But we got to avoid these things. Processed foods, send your blood sugar on a roller coaster. So opt instead for whole grains, fruits, and vegetables when it comes to our refined carbohydrates. Saturated and unhealthy fats found in fried foods and fatty meats, these fats can worsen insulin resistance. Fats play a role in this as well because trans and saturated fats can actually damage cell walls. And the cell walls are where all the sensors are for what we're talking about with hormones. Hormones attach and send signals to the cell walls, and the cell walls then know what to do. They're like, okay, absorb glucose. So they take the glucose and they transport it. But they need communication, and that's done through our hormone system and neurology. So when we start to damage the cell walls with bad fats, because all the cell walls in our body, every single cell is made of a double layer of fat membrane, fatty membrane, these these fatty chains create the cell membrane. If you learn this from high school biology, that outside sphere, like a water balloon, the plastic of that water balloon is all a fatty membrane. So you are what you eat. Remember what grandma said? It's true. If you have omega-3 branches and omega-6 branches, you got solid fatty membranes throughout your body. If you eat a lot of fried and rancid oils, then we've got rancid me membranes, which are, are leaky and porous, don't respond to hormones properly. That's why it plays a huge role there. So these fats can actually worsen insulin resistance. French fries, vegetable oil, canola oil, grain oils, these things all don't hold well. So after, by the time it's processed, synthesized, 
canned, bottled, or put into a plastic container and sent to the grocery store, many of them are now at a rancid state or so heavily processed they, they don't even have chains in them anymore. They're just completely trans fats. So choose lean protein, healthy fats like olive oil, avocado, coconut oil, and nuts in moderation. That's our better fats, which will give us those great omega-3 chains. So now we're building strong cells and limiting the constant bombardment of insulin hormone that gives us that sensitivity over time. Sugar-laden beverages, we talked about this. Ditch them. Just completely ditch them. They're not even worth it. Stick to water, unsweetened tea, coffee. That's it. That's the only liquids you need to be drinking. Not even. The only liquid you need to be drinking is filtered water. That's, that's really it. So what you should do is start to embrace the things that make us healthy, right? And it all comes through our diet. Fiber-rich foods are probably a great staple to any diet. Fruits have tons of fiber in them. Vegetables have tons of fiber in them. Whole grains, too, keep you feeling full and help regulate blood sugar. There is a use to grain, but they have to be whole grains, unprocessed or minimally processed and unrefined. Aim for at least 25 to 35 grams of fiber per day. You can check this through many apps on your phone. Low glycemic fruits and vegetables are are. You can eat these in abundance. They can they are low calorie. You can eat tons of these things. They have they release sugar slowly because they have minimal sugar in them, and they prevent spikes in your blood sugar. I think things like small berries, strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, apples, leafy greens, broccoli, even carrots. Carrots are a little bit more saturated, but even those are lower on the glycemic index. Things like grapes, papaya, mango, pineapple, banana, um, sweet vegetables. These beets, you know, these things are higher in sugar content. So they're higher glycemic index and eating these in in higher quantities can also spike our blood sugar, but not, but not like processed foods and sugary drinks. Refined sugar is so concentrated that there's really no food that you can eat. People are like, well, a banana is bad for you. I'm like, "A a cola is way more worse for you than a banana. There's way more sugar in the cola than there is in the banana. So you're better off eating the banana for sure. So we got to pick and choose these things. Healthy fats, omega-3s, they typically come from fatty fish, avocados, nuts. We talked about this, coconut oils. These things improve insulin sensitivity. So having a good, and even taking a supplement, maybe a fish oil supplement or omega-3 supplement is great. Krill oil, cod liver oil, fish oil, any clean source of omega-3 is a great thing to add to your diet if you don't eat lots of shrimp and fish during the week. Probably a better source is that. So life, you can make some lifestyle tweaks for insulin harmony. And the things that help with insulin resistance and help us move glucose more efficiently is regular exercise. Moving the body requires more blood flow. Our heart rate increases and therefore requires more flow of blood. Your heart starts to pump more blood. If your resting heart rate is 55, you do some moderate exercise, it's going to go up to 125. Now we've got twice as much volume moving through the blood or moving through the heart and the blood system is moving twice as much glucose. So you actually require a little bit more food when you exercise. So it's all good. Brisk walking, cycling, swimming are all great options. Aim for an hour and 50 minutes a week of moderate exercise. Sleep. Sleep is where we regenerate. We have to aim for seven hours of sleep if you're, if you're an adult. 
uh, sleep def- deprivation, poor sleep can actually worsen insulin resistance. There's a direct correlation with proper REM sleep, and the there's a, an entire hormone podcast we could do about sleep and just the horm- what what happens in your hormone system and your endocrine system uh, during sleep. And from cortisol to luteinizing hormone to progesterone, estrogen, thyroid, um, testosterone, all this stuff regulates at night. So when we get poor sleep, our insulin, our hormone system goes chaotic as well. So we just have all these things bombarding this system. And insulin is a hormone. Stress management, of course. You know, stress can just wreak havoc on your blood sugar. Your blood pressure goes up. Tons of things happen with stress. You know this just as much as me. Uh, yoga, spending time in nature, going for a walk, just decompressing is the best stress management you can do. Always remember you are not alone. That's what this podcast is for. We're on your side and your healthcare providers are on your side. Keep on track of your insulin production, your A1C, your fasting glucose, your regular glucose. These things are important. The only times we ever get these things checked is when our doctors make us check it. Uh, when If we're pregnant, if we're suffering from symptoms, if we're gaining weight, this is where your doctors start to check this stuff. And by that point, it's too late. It's too late. We need to know this stuff early on, but it all starts with you. Making insulin resistance is a journey, you know, being, being aware of it is a journey, not a destination. Don't be afraid to ask anyone about it. You can even ask your chiropractors about it. They will just refer you to your PCP to make sure that you get the right blood testing and get it managed properly. Uh, by the time we let this get out of control, it turns into full-blown diabetes, and that, folks, is a whole medical kibosh when it comes to that. That requires medical attention. That requires medicines. That requires probably prescriptions for the rest of your life. We're trying to avoid this stuff. We're trying to prevent this stuff, and by doing it, it's really what you put in your mouth. Uh, you got to flip this entire paradigm upside down when it comes to food, whole foods, if you're opening boxes in your home, if you're opening cans, if things are coming in plastic and you're opening bags all the time, I'm going to tell you with no shadow of a doubt that those things are ruining and creating havoc on your health because nothing good comes out of a bag. I promise you this right now. It's got to come from the produce section. It's got to come to those hardworking people in the grocery store that slice our meat for us and keep it in the back or package the fish for us. That's where the food comes from. That's where our real food comes from. If you're going up and down those center aisles, we're just fueling a fire of many, many different conditions that can start. So some some great resources are online. I say avoid the American Diabetes Association. Uh, not a good institute for, uh, for any type of diet. Do not follow that diet. And um, and the, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietitians, uh, instead of going to their website, maybe look for a nutritionist or a dietitian that you would work with uh, for that if you need extra help. But the online resources that our government supports are not the best options. I'm just being straight up for you. That's, you know, I don't work for the FBI. No one's going to come up and get me. This is all just information for you. And remember, all the tips we give you, even me or anyone that comes out on a podcast, this is for general knowledge. I am not trying to help you diagnose anything. Seek attention for any type of medical condition you have. Uh, Don't play this on any type of blog, uh, YouTube video, podcast. Don't let that be your self-diagnosis. Always seek professional help when it comes to any questions that you may have, uh, professionals love what they do and they're there to help you. 
So reach out to them at any time. And if you have any questions, reach out to us, info at fulllifetampa.com. Have a fantastic and healthy week. Catch you next week. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Living a Full Life Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.